right, if you have a Bible, hold it up. And you went to Hebrews this morning, right? Correct? All right, go to the next book. James. I felt compelled to uh, preach this message, frankly, because I think we all deal with something, or we're going to be dealing with something. Uh, There's one thing I, I, one of the notes I skipped in my message this morning, uh, right there at the end, was we need to be in the book because we're all going to go home and have to deal with something. We're all going to deal with something in our life. We're all going to leave this place this afternoon or this this morning, whenever I was done, and and going to walk back into the world, and and the stakes are pretty high. And uh, but the Christian life is not a life of comfort, and. And so we need to be prepared. Uh, James chapter 1. James, I like the book of James. It's a, I think I like James because James is a pretty straight shooter. He kind of cuts through the uh, flowery words and he just hits you right between the eyes. And uh, he, he doesn't pull any punches. He, he says it just like it is. Uh, this message... We're going to talk about some stormy faith. We're really only going to be in these first eight verses, and uh, I'll try to be quick, but I'm I'm going to give God's word its due, and we're going to try to really do this right. Life has its storms. Life isn't plain sailing. But as we learn from the book of James here in this particular passage, these storms have a purpose in our life. I don't know who said this. It sounds like something that uh, uh, Vance Havner would have said, maybe. I don't think it was him, though. Uh, but have you ever heard the quote, faith is like film? It is best developed in the dark. Hey, that's what it's about. That's what this life is going to be like. It, if you're going to have any kind of faith, it's probably your faith is going to grow in the dark, in dark times, in stormy times. So the first thing we see, uh, of course, James opens with an introduction. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. And then he just jumps right into it in verse 2. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. I mean, the first thing he's saying to you is, listen, there's going to be storms in your life. There's going to be tough times. Uh, the Christian life is not a charmed life. Jesus in John sixteen thirty three said, In this world you will have tribulation. Uh, that is just the reality. And James is telling here that there will even be various kinds, uh, sorts, different colors, uh, trials, tests, and difficulties. Uh, there's going to be various ki- times, uh, kinds of, of, of storms. James is speaking to all the possible difficulties of life, the ones that come uh, which are guaranteed, the, like you've got to pay your rent on time and you're going to have to learn how to make a living and, and, and you're going to have to work out how to have good relationships with others. But those are normal difficulties, uh, but also there are some big and small, big, big difficulties that come in our life, more that, some that are really uh, more difficult than others, some that we are never truly prepared for. Some will come with those regularities. Some will happen unexpectedly, and, and they're not here this afternoon, but like the Simmons, that was unexpected, the loss of her mother. It just happened like that. And, uh, and some are self-inflicted. Look at the life of David. David's a, a wonderful example. Uh, he had such a, 
We have so much about his life in Scripture for us, and, and he faced some unexpected trials. I think his relationship with Saul soured unexpectedly to him. I mean, you remember Saul, he tried to kill him on more than one occasion. And uh, at one point, he tried to do it right in the palace courts, in the, in the royal courts. He tried to pin him to the wall with a, with a spear. Uh, uh, there's also in David's life some self-inflicted trials. You remember David and Bathsheba? That was a pretty ugly thing that David had to go through, and it was all David's fault. But God's command for our approach to these storms is to what? What does he say, my brethren? Count it all joy. Now, I don't want to twist James's words and for us to take a poor interpretation of that command, count it all joy, and say that we're supposed to be happy about bad times. No. This is not telling us we have to be happy and to even seek out trials and tribulations. But our focus when we face a tribulation, when we face a storm, should not leave God. Our focus should remain on Him. It's easy to rejoice when everything's going well. Uh, I I was really enjoying uh, how the cowboy season was going up until last week. It was easy to rejoice and be excited, and then I watched them play the Cardinals, and it was harder. You know, when you feel blessed, when all things of life seem to be going your way, it's easy to be joyful. It doesn't take much faith to rejoice when life is easy, but when times are tough, when the storm hits, when everything seems to be going wrong, everything's falling apart, (coughs) your workload is overwhelming, it takes Great faith to see beyond the natural circumstances and trust God enough to rejoice. But that's the command. Count it all joy. Brother Bob, am I on? Okay. I didn't hear me as well as I did before, so then I just started getting really loud. I'm sorry. Uh, So there will be storms in life. But verse 3 and 4 It reveals a little more about this, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The next thing I see is that the purpose for the storms is to produce patience in our life. Uh, God wants to produce patience in your life. Uh, How many of y'all have prayed for patience before? Usually, when you pray for patience, it's because you're feeling highly impatient in that moment, right? Uh, my wife, I, uh, we have three sons. We have three really wonderful sons that we love tremendously and who aren't paying attention right now. But uh, having three little sons like this who are, uh, have very active imaginations and bodies, uh, it is easy to feel impatient, and so when you, some, something about praying for patience feels like you're inviting some difficulty, doesn't it? But the reality is, is that's what God wants. He wants, to, he wants to grow and produce patience in your life. And many of us, when we think of patience, we consider uh, the opposite of being really more just impatient, just not ready to wait. But I think, uh, I think it's really someone, it's really something like endurance, and perseverance. Uh, God wants, I mean, yes, he wants to develop some patience uh, the way we 
often first think of it, but he also wants to produce in your life endurance, faithfulness. How many times have you known a, a Christian who who got on fire and got pumped up for God and, and maybe they had just gotten saved and God is really doing a lot of wonderful things in their life and they're just on fire. But the, the first instance of difficulty, the first storm that comes along and they fizzle out and fade out and they don't come back. That happens, doesn't it? We need to be tough. God wants to toughen us up. My boys... We don't have a yard for them to mow, but as soon as we do, they're going to be mowing it. I can, God can, has blessed me enough. I think I could pay somebody to mow my yard, but they're going to do it because they need to toughen up. I had to do it when I was a boy, uh, and it helped me to build some calluses and to get some endurance. God doesn't want wimpy Christians, so he's going to put us through the ringer and allow us to go through it sometimes. God is in the business of building tough people. He wants people who can endure. And we also see a new word for those storms. It says the trying or testing. So why is he switching from temptation to, uh, to trying? Well, I think uh, we imagine the translator just translated the same word two different ways to give it some variety. But really, there's actually two different words. There's temptation and then there's tests. There's tests. And I think that's related to the fact that Christians expect us, uh, uh, expect us to make it out of our temptations and prove something. But Jesus wasn't just tempted in the wilderness. He passed the test. So God's purpose is to develop endurance in his people, to toughen us up so that we might endure faithfully. So when the times get hard and and we face something we weren't prepared for, we'll stick with God. We'll keep going to church. That we'll look to the book on a regular basis. Uh, And verse 5, read with me. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. Storms are difficult. They're tough. But we can have a wonderful comfort in asking for wisdom. It is comforting that we can ask for wisdom. Uh, That verse that I quoted earlier from John chapter 16, where Jesus uh, told his disciples, he said, these things have I spoken unto you that you may, uh, that in me you might have peace. He's giving them comfort. He says, in the world, you're going to find comfort in me. In the world, you're going to find tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus is able to give us wisdom and to give us the comfort and help that we need. It's comforting to know that we can ask for wisdom. And, and, And we see not only that we can ask for wisdom and that God will answer to that. It says that he's ready to freely give wisdom to those who ask for it. I mean, he's ready to lavish us with it. Wisdom is an important asset, so we can deal with difficult times, with, with trials. Um, wisdom is, uh, that, uh, goodness, 
I'm trying to edit my notes. That's hard to do in the mid-sermon, and I'm not supposed to tell anybody that. Uh, But God wants us to have his wisdom. Proverbs 1 through 9, you'll find a list of qualities that are associated with wisdom. Uh, There's instruction, there's understanding, there's prudence, there's discretion, there's learning, knowledge, and discernment. We, We need to have God's wisdom, and God is willing to give it to us when we find ourselves up against it, and he's also willing to give it to you when times are really good. Because we need wisdom to, to thrive as well. We need, it's just as difficult uh, to be rich as it is to be poor. And that's one of the major lies that a lot of poor people fail to realize. That people who have a lot have a lot of responsibilities. So uh, we, we need to be ready and eager to ask for God for wisdom. And I would tell you one of the greatest places you're going to find it is in the book. So look to the book. Last thing I see in these last three verses, verses 6, 7, and 8, is that we need, we really need to have faith. Verse 6, let him ask in faith, not wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. James, I think, is saying that to get the wisdom of God, all we need to do is ask him for it. But we need to ask in faith. And it goes right back to what I talked about this morning. We have this book, the greatest book of wisdom that has ever been. There's a whole movement that's it's taking hold again. It's starting to grow, and it's pretty under the radar. But it's the... the, the Oh, not the skeptics, goodness. Well, I'm going to skip that. Uh, people, people are constantly looking for sources of wisdom. They want to look uh, for uh, you know, a book, a place to go. Uh, we use Google that way. We use uh, Wikipedia that way. We'll use uh, all kinds of books and, and, and philosophies and all kinds of this stuff to try to help us give information and get, get wisdom for how to live our life. But the reality is, is the one book is the Bible that you need. Uh, and, you know, I have a, if you go into my office, and any of y'all, by the way, are welcome uh, in my office. It's a mess right now, so forgive me. Um, and you're not allowed in my bathroom because gross. But um, you'll look, and the thing you're going to see more than anything else is what? Guess what? Books. Do you know every one of those up there is not a Bible? All of those books are not Bibles. There, there's lots of commentary up there. There's lots of uh, church growth. There's some preaching stuff in there. There's, a, there's, there's all kinds of good stuff in there. And y'all are also, I'll just share this, and Lester may tell me that was a mistake. But <laughs> you're welcome to, I'm willing to share some of that with you. If you need to borrow a book, you wanted to dig into God's Word, if you're going to look to the book and want to grow a little bit in your understanding, some of that is helpful. But let me tell you what you need. You need this. You don't need all of that. That's good, and it can be very helpful. But those guys are not inspired. This is God's. This is where we're going to find wisdom. Faith is essential. And if we come to God's Word, and we come to church, and we listen to Brother Darren, or Brother Eric, or Brother Lester, or whoever teach God's Word, and we don't live it out in our life, then the problem isn't 
that, you know, the problem is, is that you don't believe it enough to live it. And you're too comfortable with following the promises of sin to embrace the promises of God's word. We've got to have faith. We should ask with faith. And, and God is able to answer. Uh, I, he, 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 in this, if I get back to the text, uh, faith is essential. And, and Jesus said that the condition for receiving, receiving anything in prayer is that we must first believe that we can receive it. James, what does he say? He says, but let him ask in faith. Nothing, no wavering, nothing wavering. That means without any doubts. Okay, so Brother Darren, what you're telling me is, is that if I just truly believe that God is willing and able to share with me wisdom for my circumstances right now, then if I ask, he'll do it? I believe so, yes. That's what his word says. His word is true, front to back. So if you need to test God, and that can be a little dangerous, I would seek his wisdom. You might need to spend time in the word. You may have to submit your ideas, submit to the fact that your ideas may not be true or right, but that God, that sharp two-edged sword will work its way and reveal to you what's missing and what's wrong. I believe if we believe that asking for God for wisdom and help, that he'll answer, I believe he will. I believe that's what his word says right here. Uh, we can't be double-minded. It makes no sense to, to go to God and beg for help and, and beg for uh, wisdom and then to get up off of our knees and then just do whatever we think without consulting God. That doesn't make any sense. If you, if you, if you bring something to the king... Does it make sense for you to pick it up and walk out of the throne room and take it with you? No. We're to lay these things at his feet. We're to allow him to intervene. And it might require patience. The waiting kind and the enduring kind. It might require patience. I think it will. We can't be two-minded, double-minded. What does it say about a person that's double-minded? He's unstable. In what ways? What ways? All his ways. I don't know what you're dealing with right now. We all, I think, all, every single one of us can probably think of the thing that we're dealing with. <laughs> or something in our life, some difficulty, some circumstance... Uh, some tragedy, something. It's in our life. We're, gonna deal, we're dealing with it. Maybe it's internal. Maybe it's just, you know, you're dealing with, how, you know, your walk with God. Maybe it's not what you think it should be. Maybe it's not what God thinks it should be. Um, maybe you're here this afternoon and you're, you feel unstable. Well, let me probe you with a rhetorical question you can ask yourself. 
is it possible that you're double-minded? That on one hand, you, you believe in this book. I mean, you, you agree, yes, this is God's inspired, inerrant, preserved word. You believe that, that God left this for our benefit as a tool to shape our lives, that we might be saved, and also as a tool for us to use for his kingdom. I mean, you might be able to agree to that. But if you agree to all that, and you don't really live like that, that might be the source of your instability. I'm going to tell you a story real quick. Not a long story, just about a friend. I've mentioned him before. His name is Russell Little. Russell, uh, Russell was a youth director at our church at Northeast Baptist Church when I was uh, right before I got into youth. And right before I got into the youth group, um, his wife left him. Russell grew up in the 70s and and got deep into the drug and rock culture. His parents always prayed for him, and his dad uh, was very faithful to church, prayed for him, and tried to give him good wisdom. Russell made a lot of bad decisions. And Russell, and Russell's one of those guys, I don't know if you, y'all can relate to this, Russell's one of those guys that had come out of a horrible life of sin and had this like incredible, powerful testimony because God had changed him so much. And so you had, a, you know, as a teenager, I had a little bit of testimony envy, you know. Uh, wow, he could really, you know, impress people with his testimony. Uh, Russell's one of those guys. God had changed his life radically. But his wife, Melinda, they had some problems in their marriage. And, but his wife had come out of that too. She had a lot of tragedy in her life. And one day she just left. He had two sons, uh, Sean and Brandon. Uh, Sean is about a year older than me, and Brandon's about a year younger than me. And about that time, when I entered the youth group, Russell's life was just kind of falling apart. He had a printing business. He was faithful um, to his printing business and was a good employer, a good worker. Um, But he had missed a few years of taxes, and you can imagine what that does. And uh, Russell's life was really hard. I'll, I'll never forget watching him endure. Watching him face tragedy, pain, heartbreak. Struggle with raising these two boys by himself. Struggle to pay back his back taxes and have his business together. Struggle to be able to serve the Lord now that uh, he'd lost his wife. Wife walked away and went back to a life of sin. But every time I saw, every time I, I, I was there for some of those weak moments... I also saw him in his word, in the book. He would cling to this book. I, I, Russell calls me every now and again still. He uh, has a 
different kind of business now, still struggles because it's hard to have a business in the United States nowadays. But he always has some kind of Bible question for me. And he always has something going, some difficulty, some storm. But God is carrying him through it. I've, I've seen Russell struggle, but I've never seen Russell unstable. Maybe these messages together today is just to show you you're a bit unstable. It's time to look to the book and to let God grow your faith and endurance by trusting him. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that this message is not... Um, well, that, it's, that it doesn't return void. Your word promises that it won't. God, I know each of us, every single one of us is dealing with something. If we, if we would sit and, and think about it for very long, we would probably easily come up with several somethings that we're struggling with, and frustrated about, upset about, sad about. God, help us not to forget that if you're for us, who could be against us? Help us not to forget that you're with us. That when we put our faith and trust in you, that suddenly you're living in our life, living through our life. You're, you're living out in this world through us. You're within us. We're never alone. Lord, help us not to forget the incredible value of your word. Lord, help us not to forget that you... <laughs> While, yes, we deserve judgment, and we, if, if we had friends like we are to you, we would drop them like a bad habit. But that you're not like that, that you love us through all our faults, that you show us kindness and mercy and forgiveness. Lord, that you are long-suffering towards our sin and our, our, our distractedness, and that you're just... You're really just kind of there waiting for us to get on board with you and follow you. Lord, I pray that whoever of us, all of us really here that are going through stuff, Lord, help us to turn to you. Lord, help us to turn to you and see the value of of the storm we're going through. That through it, you can produce toughness, endurance, and patience in our life. And that will be a testimony to others. Lord, help us to see your faithfulness to care and love for us even when we forsake you. Lord, help us to embrace this book and its promises. Lord, I love you. I pray. I pray that I've represented you well today. That your word will do its work in our hearts. Help us to be a church of people, individuals who all look to the book. We love you. We thank you for the many blessings you give us in Christ's name we pray. Amen.